And everybody tell me your ranks. They don't matter. Don't tell me. The pike. You got to end the show with like his hands behind his back. We're we're running out of time for you to um, end the season, but we're gonna take five minutes to say our goodbyes to everyone. Yeah, we need a big. I, I, big I, I caught up to Discovery. Yes. Okay, <laughs> we're not here to talk about Discovery. Hey, everybody! That's Thursday. Uh, yeah, it's Tuesday night here on Live Long and Podcast, and that means that it is D Space Nine at nine time. We're continuing our journey through uh, this show as uh, as we our three and a half year journey to watch it each week, episode by episode. And this is the eighth episode of the second season called Necessary Evil. Jeff, you want to set this up? Um, sure. Um, yeah, so this is uh, directed by James L. Conway. It debuted on uh, 27th of March, 1996. Maybe a young... Oh, am I breaking up? Maybe a young David Mader was making pizzas at a Filthy McNasty's when this episode first aired. <laughs> filthy McNasty's. <laughs> or maybe not. Maybe he was too young for that. No, he would have been too young then. It would have maybe been the next year. Maybe season three we'll catch <laughs> we'll catch the that time in history. But for now, we're talking about an episode called Necessary Evil Guys. Um this is kind of like an Odo Kira backstory episode that like I guess we didn't know we wanted, but when we got it, we were like, How how did we not have this before? You know, like this was like a kind of like a regardless of the story of um, like the murder and the investigation, just like their whole kind of story of like where they first met and like, I don't know how much that's been brought up so far, guys. I don't know about you. Is that something you guys noticed? Uh, Dave, I'll swing it over to you real quick, just because you're you're the first one to kind of go here. Uh, What did you think? I was the first one to go. Yeah, that's right. I realized that this is your podcast, and that I had to that I shouldn't have even introduced anything. And I was like, okay, I'm already, I'm already speaking, so I better go here. So, hi everybody, um, and also hello, Kevin and Ashley. Nice to see you, and welcome tonight to talk about this episode. And Jamil, how are you doing? Um, but just to get into this episode, I got I got us. Here's breaking news at this hour. I've never seen this episode. I didn't even know it existed. I didn't. I didn't. I was not familiar with this at all, uh, and it was a treat. It was a real treat because it was like the. It was like a, a hidden Easter egg, a deleted scene I had never caught in the story. Um, and, and Jeff, we we had previewed this last week. You, it seemed like this was almost like that episode that will come later, where you know we get these like. Uh, basically, it turns out to be like a changeling telepathic coma or something that happens where we get kind of more backstory on Odo's days working for Girl Dakot and the Cardassians on the station. But this was, right. I didn't know this existed. I didn't know this was a, a, a complete backstory on Odo and Kira and, mm-hmm. and Dukat, a big, a big more, way more insight into Dukat um, than I, I realized that they had planted this early. Um, and yeah, just, you know, in terms of like this mystery it's whatever i don't think that this like widow is that memorable and her nefarious plot to kill quark um is sort of not what's what's really notable here it's more just this moral ambiguity between especially with kira because kira continues to be this fascinating character in the pantheon of star trek characters 
So, absolutely. Uh, we'll head over to uh, Kevin and Ashley. Just give you a quick, you know, quick breakdowns of what you guys do. You guys like this episode for the Oda Kira relationship? Do you kind of like, like Oda was all about justice, and Kira was all about like whose side are you on? And that's kind of like the theme of the episode. But like, do you guys kind of side with one of those characters, and you see both points of view? Where do you guys stand on that? Uh, I don't know. I don't. I guess I see both points of view. I mean, that's what Star Trek does. It makes you see both sides. But uh, I uh, this episode, I like this episode, even though I I didn't remember it either. Even though I watched it probably three months ago. It's it's not very memorable because it starts with Quark and the widow, and you don't care about that at all. <laughs> no. And um, but this this episode, I do remember the. It, it reminds me of Data's day, but for Odo. It's Odo's logs, and Odo is is. I, I love that opening with Odo talking about, you know, how his memory is good enough and. Yeah, Starfleet it's just to keep these logs ridiculous yeah yeah it's like I don't like files and then later on he's all about his files and his work right yeah yeah but yeah so I like I think it's good and I think it does uh it does it, it it starts off kind of meh and then by the end it it reveals Kira to be a bit different than you thought and and their relationship to be different than they both thought Yes, yes, they come to some um, revelations. Um, uh, Ashley, uh, any quick quick thoughts about this episode? Is it memorable for you? Do you like it? Do you not like it? Are you kind of meh? Where are you this on episode, this episode? Uh, it's one of my favorite episodes. I like Odo and Kira episodes. I think they have great chemistry on screen. Um, they always seem to have interesting stories together. They have a great friendship. It's good because this is a softer side of Kira. Like you finally see a side of Kira that's not quite so angry. Like she doesn't have to play. Where did Dave go? He doesn't like my thoughts. <laughs> that sounds like a weird um, game that she was playing. <laughs> Where did Dave go? Um, yeah, I, I like it. But I've, I, any episode that centers around Odo, I like. Yeah, Odo's a great character. And he's. it like seems like he... It seems like he's very easy to write for as far as like he's like this detective and yeah. that leans into a lot of tropes and what you basically make it like a law and order show or you can make it like a Sherlock Holmes type thing or you can kind of make it like all sorts of different things with the detective uh, genre and he kind of gets to fill that. Jamil, we haven't got you in here, but now's your time to shine. Odo, <laughs> Kira, do you like this episode? Do you want more? Do you have you had enough? Was it just right? Was Goldilocks situation? What was it? I'm disappointed in the fact that no one has mentioned how awesome Rom was in this episode. Oh, yes, I, he was great, and um, this episode did a lot in terms of where uh, of developing the characters. One, um, you have elements of Rom's. Um, intelligence um as well as you have an uh, introduction to um to nog's abilities right little um little background right to set up the stage um plus you really see some real chemistry some r real like palpable chemistry uh, chemistry between kira and odo um 
The only reason this works so well is because it's there. All right? Especially with its ending. I love the wave. <laughs> Welcome back, Dave, to DSpace 9 at 9. Hey, um, glad to be here. I think I had some internet connectivity issues there for a moment. but We're just here talking, chatting with Jameel Robinson about uh, what he thought about Rom in Deep Space Nine this week, uh, Necessary Evil. Uh, Dave, what say you about... Uh, is this the first time we've gotten a, a real New version of Rom? Is this the real yeah, Rom? I think it is. I think so. Right. This is the uh, closer to who Rom will become. Yes. This is a much softer version of him than we've seen in any of the previous iterations, which have been this way more maniacal, villainous version. And this is more of a, he's more opportunistic, but cute is, I guess, what they're trying to uh, write here for Max Grodenschick. And it's working more. I think that they, I think that the writers liked what they saw here and they kind of leaned way more into this as things went on. And I, oh, we did very well at the bar and our profits were exceedingly what are expected. So I broke into your vault to put it into your, like, when I put the money into your vault. It was like, what? Wait, what? <laughs> right? It's so, it's so endearing. And yeah. then compared to like the previous episode um, yeah. and how he was presented. So they had a, like, they had a sample of both sides and they leaned into the correct one. I I, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, I like that they changed the character and that Quark is surprised at how they've changed the character. Like he's surprised at all the things that have been added. He's like, wait, you're like this? Yeah. You do this? You what? <laughs> That's great. Yeah, yeah. And like, uh, yeah, they're, they're going from the other direction of like, well, we, just, we thought that Rom's an idiot. He couldn't fix a straw if it was bent. Right. That's what we that's what <laughs> told us. But maybe, no, actually, it's a lie. Oh, uh, Rom's a lot smarter than, than we ever thought. Like he's, well, he's not yeah. in some ways, but it's such a great line. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, it is. I think Rom's the character like don't judge a book by its cover type character. Yeah. You know that's that's the, totally his thing, and that, this is the first. Is that me? No, or did you I'm just break? Okay. No, I'm like, Jeff, Jeff Jeff Rose. Oh. Okay. I was like, Don't, I was hanging on your word, Robin? Jeff. I was hanging on your word. You're, you're back, Jeff. Okay. Did I'll, like I'll, I freeze or did it all go fast? No, you, you, like, you fried up for a moment. I I think, yeah, it's wireless and it's not, it doesn't seem to always work right. All I would have to say is that Rom is a fool, but he's not foolish. Right. Yeah. Sorry. No, other way around. He is foolish, but he's not a fool. There you go. That's what I mean. I think Rom, Rom has, he's smart and great at certain things. And he tried too hard to do the Ferengi way. And that's not where his smarts lie. Yeah. He's, he's better. Yeah. Got away from trying to do the profit side of it and trying to do the Ferengi way and doing it more of the. The way the Bajorans do it, or the Federation, that's where his smarts came out. And actually, I love the when when Nog is is deciding to go to Starfleet, and his reason is, my dad chased profit, wasted his time. Yeah, I don't want that to be me. I don't have the lobes either. Like I'm not good at it either. So he decided to do something else. That was really smart writing. Although all his trading with the Yamek sauce shows that maybe he does have the the lobes for that. 
Yeah, he needed Jake's help. Who wants dirt? <laughs> Lobes. Land is good. Dirt. Um, uh, okay. Why is there no Star Star Trek yamak sauce I can buy? Right. <laughs> well, maybe should... you need to sell Jamil's yamak sauce. Uh, I just I think, think of it. people that they have the lobes for business. Do it. <laughs> yeah. Star Trek condiments. Star Trek condiments. The tartar. the tartar sauce is the yamak sauce. Oh, really? Yeah. Wait, yeah. What, do you, what do you what do you eat with yamak sauce? What's the what, what is that? Uh, it's like fish. It's with fish because Cardassian eat fish. So you do the tartar sauce as the yeah yamak because sauce. they're like reptiles. Yeah. 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 They only like, eat fish. Yeah, I got slugs and stuff, and slugs too. And drink canar. And drink canar. What's canar yeah. made out of? I want to know. I, I don't think you want to know. Uh, <laughs> it's I a syrup. I know broken that. dreams. Uh, but back to the episode. Okay, so it kind of starts off with like this whole thing with um, Quark, and you know he finds this box with a piece of paper on it with eight different names, right? And this eight, these eight names are Bajoran names that were potentially traitors or were traitors because Goldukat hid it in the wall, right? That of that cell. That's where Odo has the flashback. And Goldukat first... didn't hide it there, did he? Yes, it was Goldukat who hid it there. Oh, Goldukat who did that. Okay. Yes, Goldukat hid it in the wall, and then Rom and Cork found it. You know, all those, you know, a couple of years later, or whatever. How many years is it between the periods here? Do we know? I think it's uh, about eight. Yeah, it can't be that long. Dun dun dun. Let's look. Six twenty three sixty five. So it's five years earlier. Five years. Okay. So it's not even. That's not that long, really. A lot has changed in D Space Nine in that five years. Yeah. yeah. And I, I I like how they present Odo too, where. You see his abilities, but even the introduction to when um, him and Galdicott have their first conversation, you see Odo has his head down, won't look him in the eye, right? Compared to as the investigation goes on and Galdicott notices the change and like, you're not afraid of me at all. You don't fear anyone. They have a lot. Yeah, a lot of um, like, yeah, tug of rope like scenes with each other here in this episode there's about a few times where like golda cuts like is this the person or is this her and odo's like back off he's like i'm doing my investigation (laughs) i'm a lawman we get to to witness the meeting of odo and quark which i love i love that they did that that we get to see the quark odo and kira odo and ducat Yeah, yeah, those three in this episode, which is pretty cool, considering, like I said, it was like the it was the backstory episode we didn't know we wanted. But yeah, it's good that they did it because nobody cared about the actual story that was going on; just all the backstory. (laughs) Yeah, the Bajoran eight-person conspiracy theory thing going on in the episode is really just it's window dressing, window dressing to get these characters. You know, in these different timelines to kind of connect everything together in the connective tissue and make it about this whether or not, you know, she was innocent or guilty of murdering this guy, she was guilty. Um, but, uh, you know, Odo stuck off, you know, stuck up for her anyway, even though, like, does he still Only tell because him? he believed her. Only because he believed her, but does he, he doesn't seem mad once he tell, she tells him that he, she did kill the guy. 
he kind of just goes, huh, all right, well, too bad. He, he <laughs> didn't have enough information. Yeah. Right? Mm. And he's, I think he's shaken by it, though. I think yeah. by the end, I think that it's unresolved, and I liked that part of it, too. Mm. Okay. Um, so, did you guys like the flashbacks this episode, Jamil? Like, did, did you like yes. the <laughs> Yes. I did a lot. Um, I. <laughs> It it's it felt like uh, noir, uh, especially with the dark and stormy night opening, uh, and then they were playing on a lot of tropes. But once all of that was uh, tossed aside, it was really good to see like Odo do his work and how he um, is so good at reading people because he's an observer. As an outsider, he has that outsider's view. People don't really notice that he's watching them, right? And he has those skills. They've been horned, honed, honed, right? And um, uh, it was great interactions with individuals. Um, I wish Kira kind of had that ponytail still. I I hate her hair, but like that's that's my issue, not hers. You do you, right? <laughs> um, uh, I don't know. I spent a lot of time enjoying. When I look back at this episode, I enjoyed the rom scenes a lot. I can yeah. just play back that um um hero rom scene. Where he's just screaming. Oh, just <laughs> screaming. <laughs> I love the scene where Oda like is like like kind of breaking it out of Cisco, and he's like saying to like Cisco, oh, yeah. he's like, he's like, uh, he's like, what did Rom say? He's like, he's like, I question him. He says he doesn't know anything. He knows, you know, whatever he says. It's really good. He knows. Did they do he that knows. bad cop shit on him. It was awesome. Yeah, the good it's cop. Really like Cisco gets to do in this episode either too. Yeah, because at first, like you know, yeah, like yeah, like he's doing like the sincere, like no, he's the father of my my boy's friend. And, you know, <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, he's not being sincere. No, I know he's not, but he's he's he, you think he is at first, and then you're like, oh okay. And it is jarring because I was he said that and I went what? Yeah. <laughs> Did we miss an episode? Oh, I see what they're doing. <laughs> but it was good that like Cisco was able to sl- slip right into that immediately. Yeah. He knew where he was going. Yeah, he's like, this is good bonding for me and Odo. Odo is one of my guys that I need him to work better for me. I need him to do his logs, even though he tells me they're stupid. I'm wasting time. So. Yeah. I love at the end of his at the beginning at the end of his log where he's like, "So I'm I'm going to put my voice to this recording as requested. All is fine. End of log. Yeah. <laughs> that was great. That was great. Everything's under control. End log. That's yeah, it. Everything's, everything's under control. End of log. <laughs> Very Ron Swanson esque. I mean, this has got to be the first episode of Star Trek that I can think of that starts off with like. The chief security operations officer log, you know, like yeah, I think it, like they did this with Worf maybe before. I think no, they, he's not Starfleet. Like he's not Starfleet. Like he's like this. Yeah, it's like the first time. It's like a Bajoran, you know, like log. But it's not even nothing to do with Starfleet really at all. And it's the first person that's reluctant to do a log. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like this is dumb. But I'm doing this anyways. <laughs> I want to do yeah. this. I'm glad I'm not in Starfleet. What What I think also uh, really stood out for me in this episode was the use of flashbacks, which Star Trek does not do a lot of. And when they do do 
flashbacks or callbacks. It's usually time travel or it's some yeah. kind of holodeck recreation or there's some kind of explanation as to why you're seeing a recreation or a reenactment of what's happened. But this was true flashbacks. It wasn't until Picard and Discovery would become very, it became very commonplace for them to use the flashback um, device, which I think sometimes feels out of place. But here I was in a really, because I hadn't seen this before. Um, outside like, of the TNG clip show. Clip outside episode. of the TNG clip show. That would be the only. Okay. Uh, I guess I maybe that's why I have an aversion to flashbacks. <laughs> maybe because of that episode, yeah. which was a Stop product of the writer's no strike of the eighties. But um, oh yeah, God. like I don't know. Yeah. It was uh, interesting to see how this played out because when they when to see the occupation for one thing in an actual firm because before that I'd only seen that that episode where we go into Odo's mind and he reenacts those that murder investigation that he kind of botched. But this was different than that. This was an actual flashback. Flashback. Yeah. yeah. And done expertly. Like it, it's really good. Yeah. Yeah. Like cutting between the two time periods, but you really yeah. understand. Okay. And this is what quarks look like during the occupation during this time period, you know, with the Cardassian emblem. He was making a lot of money during the occupation, but he probably had to pay them. Like, um, don't don't mess me up, fee. Like protection money. Oh, interesting! Just seeing Goldukat as the commander of the station, how he interacts with Quark in this episode is stood out to me because he's like his Quark. He's like, as Dukat comes up, as Odo is busting Quark, and he says, "You know, I guess I'll owe you a case of Cardassian ale." He's like, "At least two. <laughs> so, he had the same arrangement with uh, Dukat as he does with Cisco. Right, and the dichotomy, and like the you know, the, obviously that you know that Ducat is the foil of of Cisco, but um, that that's being kind of set up here because it's interesting because you hear about Ducat, you know, the prefect of Bajor, responsible for so many deaths, but what sort of how does he how does he compare to Cisco? Also, is kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, especially at this point in the series. I like anyway. Ducat in this episode; like yeah. he is. <laughs> really likable as a bad guy uh, he's really likable almost all the way throughout like yeah. yeah he's when he's joking with odo um and they're like together as like a pair you're like i want to see more of this yeah i do yeah. i do i really do um and you can't really say that about a lot of shows where people have to grow on you in the grand scheme of things we have not spent that much time with gal Dukat. Yet he is still like the moment he comes on, he is on. He like yeah. I, I like I feel like that's the same character, right? That that has a journey, has an arc. Like they're not like working out the kinks of the characters like they did with Rom. Like Galdacott is Galdacott. From beginning immediately. Yeah. He's, yeah. He is who he is, yeah. Yeah. And uh he's he is one of the best characters in, in the entire show. I, I in all of Star Trek. In all of Star Trek, I would say, yeah. Absolutely. Right, because like I don't think... Well, the other shows don't have a Ducat, per se. Right? Like a true villain of the show that's kind of... Janeway. Ugly. Who's Janeway's? <laughs> her? Is her own villain? Justice for Tuvix! Justice for Tuvix. If we're looking at it from oh. Tuvix's perspective, yes. 
I'm sorry. Uh, Maybe the Borg (laughs) Queen, I guess, in Voyager, or Q in Next Gen, I guess. But Q is not the same as the (laughs) Borg. I'm sorry. (sighs) You're still loud about Jamie. Or, uh, yeah, not an Enterprise, no. So, like, yeah, like the way that I don't know, I don't think they had this plan per se to use Ducat in the way they ended up using him. But I think that that obviously the bringing him back time and time and again was like more of this, more of this, and they're starting to kind of figure out how to use these characters more. Can you we agree the best part of this episode is when <clears throat> Quirk is asking Odo if he wants some like ginger tea or some chocolate or some companionship, and then well, the cot just goes, <laughs> and then it, and then it like super cuts to a bunch of people like drinking and laughing and, and like, and then it just pans to Cisco and Dax. So, uh, my favorite part, yeah, where it wasn't as fun, but now it's not as fun now, Quarks, as it was then. Yeah. That, yeah. That what yeah. To believe? yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Looked a little more barren at Quark's bar in those days. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. He's like he was making more money, um, but he probably had to pay more during yeah. that time period. Yeah. That's what I'm saying, yo. That's it. That's what I'm saying, yo. <laughs> yeah, because he gets he gets everything free with the Federation, right? Yeah. I mean, what if they don't use money? What do they want to take money from people for? <laughs> True. And then you have more different types of um, exotic individuals coming in with the Federation there, whereas Cardassia uh, probably had like a more stringent um, guest list that came through the station. Um, and then Quark had to probably navigate the underground too that probably loathed him as well. So. Here's my yeah. question. Does Okay, just... What really occurred to me tonight was that Quark, more of a shifty guy than, or I, I knew this, but it just reinforces that, like, why did he get this bar, which is basically, you know, on this station where Cardassians are committing atrocities against Bajorans? Um, why did, why, if, if Quark has a moral fiber, which I think we know he does, why did, how did he come to have this bar in the first place? Is he complicit? You know, uh, in his role in the occupation. I think as the show goes on, Quark's moral fiber strengthens. I don't think it was so strong early on. And I think he started a bar there for cheap labor. Yeah. yeah. Right. And 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 Odo, is he to be judged for working for the Cardassians? Uh, you know, is Kira to have did Kira have this opinion of him? just um i i think he could be judged for working for them but i mean they all say he was fair generally i yeah it's a weird it's weird to me that he worked for the cardassians he tried to justify it in his mind but he was working for the cardassians well how did he get the job with the bajorans that he was he was just and fair regardless um if he's watching injustice occur right there's a level of what type of justice he's he's kind of um peddling he was only peddling justice of whoever was in power really right and i think there's a lot maybe- i sorry but i think this episode also goes to show that like odo's not one to like 
you know, be like a Cardassian and like he probably had enough circumstantial evidence on Kira to arrest her and maybe have her executed in the past, but he didn't do that. Or whereas like that's kind of to me like yeah, like we explaining to you like why he worked for the Cardassians because he wanted I think he looked at it as like a a way to learn about humans and the way they they operate, but he also like has this like yeah thing with justice. So he doesn't have to do Cardassian neck tricks. Well, that too, which we never got to see. I always wanted to know what that hell that was. I, don't think th- I, I thought about that. I was like, I bet you they they were like never touched the neck part because I bet you that's just like sitting there, you know, like all, like like almost like a football pads. Cardassians do things with their necks that we don't. Can they do tricks with their necks? Oh, I, well, I think it's probably just like the size. It just kind of pops up and just like rotates, maybe. The shift. It seemed uncomfortable to be a Cardassian on the show. Yeah. <laughs> just but morally or just well, because that's like, like oh. they say that through the whole show. The station is uncomfortable. The beds are uncomfortable. Yeah. Like, yeah, they Cardassians don't like comfort. It's They're too fucking hot for everybody. The Cardassians just yeah. like uncomfortable. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and like yeah, and they wear these uniforms that like bulge out like two feet from their body yeah. like it's crazy like how much like that the like thing like pops Have, out i can't remember a shirtless cardassian cardassian do they have um a bulbous chest if um if i will um they do not have a bulbous chest because we saw cardassian females that well, at least the, the females do not um because they would have dresses with low cut um and we kind of so the Cardassians do have like uh you know how they have like that spoon shape uh, on their forehead, they also have that on their chest as well. Um, so maybe the males have bigger versions of that that protrude more. That's that's feasible. So they need that little point out here. Too. We never. <laughs> they looked at Madonna me. and they're like, Madonna was cool. There's we no never got to see a Cardassian without a shirt off in the whole run. I don't think. No, no. I don't think we ever do. So uh, Dave one in his underpants. So Dave, you know what? Next time there's a Star Trek convention, you need to go talk and ask that question. What does a Cardassian with his shirt off look like? Does he have a bulbous chest? Who's qualified to answer that question? Is my is 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 my only uh, um, whoever um, you're asking? Yes, whoever you ask. <laughs> I'm going to ask somebody a, who's completely not qualified to exactly. <laughs> Uh, Avery Brooks, you have to ask Avery Brooks. Yeah, what do you think it's like when the Cardassian takes his shirt off? What do you think a, a Cardassian in, in a bathing suit would be like? I would ask, love... ask Patrick Stewart. I bet you he'll have an answer. He would. Because we get to see other aliens with other shirts on. I don't know. I'm just saying. True. Uh, we saw Klingons have like these Klingon ridges going all up and down, like their their spines and stuff that we'll get to see later on. When it, especially with it's gripping work. points. It's gripping points. Yeah, gripping point. Something to hold on to. Yeah. Right? Yes. Oh! Uh, right, yeah. right. Well, I think it's just because it was not bringing me practical. But now with today's makeup and things they can do with, with CGI, they'll, they'll, like, if we ever get to, I, they haven't really shown us Cardassians a new track yet. Uh, maybe a little, I think there was one in the cartoon. But in oh, the I don't even want to know what a Cardassian looks like on Star Trek Discovery. No. 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 They'll ruin They're it. my favorite enemy no no don't please just no even when i see what they've done with the andorians i in the, oh. in the season three premiere for discovery there was a couple of andorians uh oh. 
they look a little different on these Andorians. <laughs> <laughs> They're a little bit more rigid on their, their makeup design and stuff. I'm fine with things looking different as long as it's good. Just check out our podcast on Thursday nights. Uh, well, we're back to D Space Nine. Necessary evil. Who was the necessary evil? Was it Odo or was it Kira? I think it was like Kira. Kira. Yeah. Kira is this like because the guy had the list of the eight Bajorans that were selling them out to the Cardassians. And then she says she killed the guy accidentally. Now, accidentally. they caught me, and so I had yeah. to kill him accidentally. Pretty much, that's she, yeah. She she knew it on would... purpose, but it was second degree murder, not first degree murder. <laughs> yes, it was very so, intentional. It was not manslaughter. I Kira, don't think. So Kira is a murderer. Yeah, yeah, yeah we knew that already, though. And um, think, yeah, you know who isn't true. a murderer? That assassin who's terrible. Point blank shot and Quark still survives, bro. Dude. I'm trying to think about with a pillow. That was that his follow up. That effect when you get shot and you get shot across the room. It, I was like, Whoa, what happened there? Like I, 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 I was like, oh my god, I de- I've definitely never seen this. I never seen Quark get blown across a room uh, by a, by a disruptor. Uh, it, was, it, was, it was compressed tetrion beam, I believe, is what it yes. was. Because it matters. It does, Julian. He sure. he, Julian. If he didn't know what kind of weapon it was, he, yeah. he would have kind of treated it. He just went with it because Odo guessed. He's like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> Good thing he didn't say Polaron. Is O'Brien even in this episode? Nope. Nope. No. It's just, neither was Jake. Neither was... Um, Dax was in it. Yeah. Was she in it? Yeah. With Smithco at the bar after the, the laughing about... About Odo getting getting some companionship. So remember that call for set is like, do I have this week off? It's like, no, we got a we got a two second uh, scene that where you show up, so you got to be in uniform and makeup for the entire day. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> but let's get back to Kira because okay, we know she's a murderer. It, are, do you think? less of her in terms of her what she had to do during the occupation no, we, no, we are in know. the in the underground um but i think oh well, now i know she's a murderer we didn't know i don't think before this episode in like that she was definitely like a cold-blooded murderer she was like a freedom fighter right. but, but she yeah. killed somebody in cold blood she... for her mission to in the Which interest one? of her mission and to save herself honestly yeah, but, yeah, but because he called her a name, it was it was a little more in depth. It, it, it's not to say that she she felt she was justified in what she needed to do. She was on a mission. Uh, yeah, but and she he was a collaborator, and you know how she talks about collaborators. Well, I know how she talks about them, but I I, I think it's it, I I think she believes she's justified. I think yeah. I guess the can we even. We're, we're, this is going to come up again and again over Kira. Is you know, can we, it you know, because this show was made pre nine eleven, the 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 conception of terrorists and all these kinds of things, and even even like sort of this um, Cold War thing. I think it was didn't have the context that a post nine eleven world did, where talking about these things is not is 
is maybe more complicated than it was before that. So at least, so I think in terms of how we look at Kira is like, yeah, I think that what the Bajorans did what they had to do and her, her line, her convincing that Odo to Odo that she didn't kill this guy when she in fact did, you know, and that she couldn't come clean for this whole year that they've been working together, that she could have just said, Hey, totally killed that guy back then. Yeah. Remember, yeah, remember that guy five years ago? Yeah. You thought I killed, and you, I convinced you that I didn't kill. Totally save, I, totally I wish, her, my life. I wish instead of her saying, I've wanted to tell you for an entire year, I wish she had just looked at him and went, I never thought it would come up. Like, I, <laughs> I, I, she just I, like, I totally didn't care. I was like, that guy I, totally deserved it, and I didn't feel bad for a second. I never <laughs> thought Ram and Quark would find a mysterious box in the world. <laughs> <laughs> that would lead us to this situation. No. I never thought that this whole story that I don't care about would happen. Would bring up you finding out about this thing. Would bring up a dirty murder that I did five years ago. Oh, this is really not looking good for me. So do, you know, do you know how many people I killed yeah. as a freedom fighter? Yeah. I didn't like write it down in a book. So I barely remember this guy. I killed three that week. <laughs> right. Okay. But and can we just talk? Just looking ahead here too, knowing that they what, which is not my favorite storyline in the show, but the fact that they wrote this storyline in where Kira's mother had this um, affair yeah. with Goldukat. Yeah. Um, and so I guess Goldukat knew Kira, or he knew her mother more specifically, and I guess yeah. What was what was going on with that? I, you know, like they don't. I, I, that's why I feel like that story is even more out of place and really sh- never should have happened. Did he want to lord it over the mother and say, "I got your daughter"? Maybe he didn't know. I think was... maybe he, yeah, he doesn't know that because was... Kira, her mother went away. Her she was very young. Very young. So yeah. I don't think at this point he even knows who Kira is. I think he finds out about all of this and remembers Kira's mother later on. Yeah. Like after the occupation. Right. Okay. Yeah. Because there's many years removed between those events, between the the events we saw tonight and the events back then. Okay. Uh, Because that's, yeah, when Kira's a child, to your point. And by this point, I don't know. How old is Kira even when the show starts? Like 30 something, I guess. Right. Yeah, I guess. Mm -hmm. Or like, like, yeah. About 30-something. And she's supposed to be, what, like maybe 20-something, late 20s in this flashback? Yeah, that ponytail. Yeah. Yeah, so then the affair with Kira's mother and Dukat was 20 years even before that. So we're talking like the 2340s at this point. No girl Um, in her 30s would let her hair be that long in a ponytail. That's a 20s thing. You know what, the 2320s? Yes. Back in the 2320s, those retro hairstyles were, uh, you know, coming back. Um, as we saw in, which we don't get a lot of twenty three twenty flat stuff. Um, actually, no, I remember now another flashback. Bolana Torres had a flashback. Damn, there's been lots of <laughs> Tuvok had a flashback. Damn, there was another Tuvok flashback. No, actually, no, I remember there was some flashbacks. flashbacks are more memorable than others. Okay, a lot of yeah. flashbacks aren't though. So. Usually, it's bad though, right? When yeah. we have flashbacks, kinda. Sometimes it's bad. Sometimes it's good. But remember when Chakotay Chakotay had flashbacks? Damn it. Voyager, you loved flashbacks. That was totally awesome. They're far from the bones of our ancestors. 
You gotta do a Kuchimoya in your Chipotle. <laughs> Oh, I can't get into my A Hey, Kuchi Moya. I got to hear Michael Chan do it. Can <laughs> <laughs> you Michael Chan voice? Chakotay voice? That'd be great. Um, <laughs> I, I still have to make the poster for this radio theater. Behind. Is there anything else you guys want to kind of like talk about of this so much. Is there, is there something that's like Can a- we talk more about Ron, Rom Scream? I loved it. I laughed so hard. It was so. <laughs> it's, like, You're a hero. He lives. And then he, like, he doesn't get the bar and just starts screaming again. <laughs> loved it. Of course, little smile. Yeah, of course, little smile. Yeah. I, I love. Yeah, I think they they did Rom this way in this episode and went, okay, we've hit it. This yeah, this is, is this is this is, is, a, this is yeah. Rom. <laughs> and what is Rom to Quark? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think right. Like this guy who's always waiting for Quark to die, but Quark never will. Yeah. But also fiercely loyal. Like, yes. <laughs> yeah. It's over, Rom. You're a hero. He goes, even know. even when I'm about to get the bar, I'm accused of murdering my brother. <laughs> <laughs> Here I am. I'm going to jail. And uh, yeah, what did you oh, think of the ironies uh, rules of acquisition 139? Wives serve, but brothers inherit. Ooh. What? Ooh. Yes. Why? <laughs> rules of acquisition. It's Ferengi. That sounds about right for Ferengi. For Ferengi, they don't like women. Yeah, they're quite clear. Yes. Okay. Sure. All right. That that answers my question. Yeah. That's it, Jeff. That's all I got. Okay. Uh, We got to do a few fun facts. Yeah, let's do fun Fun facts. facts. Fun facts. I'll get the ratings ready. Oh, let me get the text up. Okay. No, that's Big Brother Spoilers. Yeah. Hold on. Kind of thing are we running here? Big brother, the brown there. Fun fact number one: This is the first episode where it shows Rom may be a lot smarter than most people think, and that he is in fact possessed of a great deal of mechanical, technical knowledge and expertise, which we mentioned in the podcast. Rom's an idiot. He couldn't fix a straw <laughs> if it was bent. <laughs> So great. Fun fact oh when Odo is questioning Patrick Palra, Palra, he goes to leave the room, stops, turns around, and says one more thing before asking her another question. He also says the phrase, all part of a routine investigation. Both phrases are a homage to the show Columbo, numerous episodes of which were written uncredited by Peter Allen Fields. By the way, guys, the writer of this episode is Peter Allen Fields. He wrote um, the story for, like, In the Pale Moonlight and a lot of other great Star Trek episodes. Wow. You can see feel his fingerprints all over it. Peter Allen Fields wrote a whole bunch of great stories. I think we've done a few of them on the radio theater. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Okay, uh, a scene was deleted. Oh, sorry, for fact number three. A scene was deleted from the third act that revealed that pa- Palra was having an affair with Ducat. Oh. Oh. Yeah, it's fine. Her character was overused in the episode. Oh, yeah. What a slut. Legendary. 
Fun fact number four, Mark Alimo was irked that the scene where he kisses that character, uh, played by Catherine Moffat, Moffat, was cut. He was not happy. Why? Uh, <laughs> you wanted to see his smooching? We don't, we don't need to cut smooching. Uh, uh, fun fact number five. This is listed as one of the ten essential episodes of Star Trek D.C.'s Dine in the 2008 reference book Star Trek 101. Uh, okay. Well, then that, how do I move along it? home. Yeah. Move along move. home. I love my ring. Fun fact number six: the mugshot of Cheshiro is special effects supervisor Dan Curry. Fun fact number seven. Reference rules of acquisition number 139, Dave. Wives serve, brothers inherit. I'll tell Amanda that one. Uh, <laughs> it was nice knowing you, Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Give yourself some pause. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm going to reset it and rethink this. He's thinking right now. I hope you didn't hear that. Uh, I, was, I was thinking of uh, the good Rodney Dangerfield joke or whatever, where he's like, I take my wife lots of places. I take her to the kitchen. She keeps leaving. Fun <laughs> <laughs> uh, back number nine. This episode with his first person narration, hard-bitten detective main character, flashbacks to a time of war and overall noir feel echoes strongly the de classic detective fiction of the 40s. Over Rom's interrogation by Odo and Cisco shows the police tactic known as good cop, bad cop, because Odo is aggressive towards the Ferengi and tries to threaten him, while Cisco is more supportive and shows sympathy for Rom. I got a comment I forgot about. Ooh. All of this flashback stuff where uh, Odo is wearing his like civilian garb, but he's got that high up collar, mm. I think is probably what gave them the idea or helped them realize that Odo looks much better with a high-up collar yeah. is what added it to his uniform in season three. Yeah. Well, we'll see in the next episode if they've changed it. I don't know how soon he gets the collar, but as soon as it gets the collar, it's an improvement. And I think that's where maybe they figured that out here. I hope so. Dave is disturbed by a deep V. Yeah. He's just got this a big, rounded collar. He's a shapeshifter. It doesn't... He can add a collar. No one likes an aggressive v deep V. No. Oh, no. No, no, no. Not too, okay. not too aggressive. Fun fact number 10. Kevin Brophy was credited as Bajoran Guard, but became a name in the official Star Trek customizable card game, Rano Dake. Wait, is he the guy who gets stabbed? I think so. <laughs> is he, does he actually die, that guy? I think yeah. so. I mean, he looks pretty dead. So when the assassin doesn't mean to kill someone, right? Yeah, he can't Odo, kill Quark. Odo doesn't really like, seem to take care of the guy who got stabbed either. They were kind of Quark. Like, make sure Quark's okay. And the guy's like dead on the floor. <laughs> Walked over his body. Well, yeah, because he comes in. He's like, hey, I'd like to. Uh, can I? <laughs> I'm here for visiting. He's like, I'm sorry, sir. You can't come here. He's like, oh, well, that's okay. I'm just going to leave something. He stabs yeah, yeah. him. Yeah, he stabbed. Can you put yeah. these flowers into water? <laughs> like, oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. Can you put these flowers into water? <laughs> <laughs> and then he just stabs, stabs through the flowers. Yeah, that's that why. How did he kill them? And then they have to show the. He has to like drop the flowers so it reveals the knife. They were way more concerned. There's not a lot of blood though, or any blood that I can. Oh, 
Um, okay, so fun fact number 11, I think I'm on. This is the last one. Not only was Rom's technical knowledge revealed, changes in his character also began to emerge. Max Grodenschick's delivery of dialogue was noticeably different from his appearances in early episodes, changing from a much sharper and icy style towards a smoother, more pleasant delivery with somewhat humorous overtones. Yeah. So yep. I guess Definitely a good change. Good change. We noticed yeah. it and it paid. Yeah. Okay. What happened? I don't know. We lost them. No. They'll come back probably. Fun fact number eleven. Um, this takes place in twenty three sixty five and twenty three seventy. Hence the five years that they are. That's it. And that's it. All right. Well, let's get to ratings. Uh, hopefully, they've kept their camera reengages in a second. Okay. Let's get to the ratings. Um, I'm going to go first. I'm going to give this a. I'm going to give it an eight. Um, all right, Jeff. Eight point two. Eight point two. Okay, Jamil. A nine. I'm going high this episode. Ashley, Kevin, you've uh, rejoined us. I give it an eight point seven. And Kevin. I'm going to give this a seven. All right. I love so, it. Uh, if you're listening along, that it comes out to an 8.2, uh, which is pretty, pretty good. Pretty good. That's uh, not since we watched Cardassians have we had such a strong episode. Uh, this has an 8.2 also on uh, IMDb, coincidentally enough, which has uh, several thousand votes. So we kind of came up to the same conclusion that they did. Uh, and come to the exact perfect average of 8.2. Never happened before like that. Um, not quite that perfect. So, uh, yeah, that's that's something. Now, looking ahead to the next episode, oh, which I, I don't know what it is. Split uh, screen or? Give some ratings. Second, split second. <clears throat> is it split, split second or? Split second. Is it? Uh, I actually don't know what comes after this. I'm going to find it right now. Oh, I know which one it is. I don't know what it's called. Second Sight. Second Sight. Oh, it was SS something. This is called Cisco. So it's Cisco falls in love with a woman visiting the station. Yes. Not what she appears to be. I don't really know. This is the one where Cisco is in love with a ghost. And then the ghost has to go back into her body. And then she doesn't remember Cisco anymore. Ooh. Is there a candle by any chance? Oh, and then it's the yeah. it's the dude that like no terror, no candle. It's the like <laughs> no like that candle. The, the <laughs> guy that's trying to revive a dead son or whatever. It's a woman, yeah. It's a, and then he yeah. Cisco falls in love with her, and then he's like, "You're not real." Yeah. It's kind of a lame Cisco episode. It might be one of the worst Cisco episodes. 
of all the uh, yeah. well we have to cover it every episode must be covered here because well, eventually there won't be a bad one really to, to talk about but... no we just have does to he, does he cry a lot in this episode it's been a while since he, he cried he does cry a lot in this next episode Ooh. jennifer yeah because it's the like, <laughs> it's the fourth anniversary of his wife dying yeah. perfect so time to hook up with someone feelings with him and jake over his wife over the she died four years ago Yes, her name is uh, Fena, Fena and Nidell. Nidell. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Played by Sally Richardson Whitfield. Sally Richardson Whitfield. Where do I know that one? She was in uh, I Am Legend. Black Dynamite. Ooh, Black Dynamite. Dynamite. A Town Called Eureka. Okay. But yeah, she's a uh, kind of. She's. She's in the episode, like, pretty much second to Cisco. <laughs> She's in it a lot. There's going to be a dinner. Okay, well, we'll get to it next week. But, yeah, so we're going to be covering Second Sight. This is the next episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine in the second season. Also, let's get into all our plugs, Jeff. Okay. We have other shows, don't we? We do. On the <laughs> wonderful Live Long and Podcast and Super Vader Brothers Network family. <laughs> We have lots to present to you. Tomorrow night, we have Big Brother. We're covering the veto. <laughs> but before that... Are you okay? Before that, what are we covering? So, oh, okay. Before that, you have Star Trek, the original series, <laughs> right. covered by Live Long and um, Podcast. And we will... Uh, these... <laughs> 7 o'clock tomorrow night, Wednesdays. Jeff, we do original series. Yeah. I, I got this, but I don't got this. Okay, so yes. <laughs> Tomorrow, original series. Then we got Big Brother after that. We're covering that. Then Thursday, Dave's going off the fuck off with his Discovery friends and talking about a Star Trek show that doesn't exist. And you and I will be covering the eviction. So that's why you want to come over to Super Mario Brothers podcasting, especially on Thursday on are we doing the radio theater Friday or Saturday? This Sunday. Week? Sunday. Okay, Friday we got nothing, right? Nothing Friday. <laughs> Why up Friday? Saturday we got nothing. Saturday, not this week. No. And no doing... trivial, is there trivial debates coming up? I think we're gonna do that. I'm gonna try to. Do, I'm trying to get that scheduled for Halloween. That's what I'm trying to put that on. A Halloween so, edition of trivial debates. Yeah, a Saturday edition. Ooh, a spooky one. Okay, so join us Sunday for Star Trek Radio Theater. I don't know if you have the uh, the poster yet, Dave, but if you do, I don't. I am slacking. But the episode is it is the Plutos or something. Uh, it is Plato <laughs> stepped over. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Plato, 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 Pluto, not that fucking dog. Plato, Plato, Plato I, I was talking with the planet. Goofy <laughs> <laughs> um, shows up. Goofy shows up. Uh, <laughs> I will be playing Captain Kirk. Uh, so I will pretty much be in the whole show. And I will be Alexander, and I think I'm the next most line. Yes, yes. I'm playing the queen of the Platonians or something. So, Jamil, bones. Yes, Jamil, you have to join us for a Star Trek radio theater soon. Yeah, he's waiting. He's he's waiting to for the perfect role. He keeps passing up uh, parts, but you know, I I enjoy my my weekends. I'm sorry. I get that. I get it. Okay. We got to do it on a Wednesday night one time. And, uh... <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> I enjoyed listening to you all. You guys are fantastic. 
No, it's good. So we have fun. We have fun with you it. Had fun on that last one, the A four seven two one we did. I did. What do you think about the Borg being all owners Schwarzeneggers? There were like forty minutes of technical difficulties at the beginning. Was awesome. Oh yeah, Jeff and Mott couldn't connect at the same time. One would drop off, the other it would come set this, on. It set the tone for, for the whole the thing. <laughs> yeah, and then the show went fine. Most it went of the time. Fine. Yeah, yeah, yes. It was. It was a hit. <laughs> it was a hit. Yeah, Mott was great. I loved Mott's yeah. Janeway. It was there was yeah. uh, Ashley was awesome as the pirate Chicote. Yeah, good. pirate Chicote was. Awesome. <laughs> We are we be far from the bones of your ancestry. Yes, scurry dog. <laughs> we do so many terrible things with Dakota in that in that radio I I changed almost every line. At too. least it makes him interesting. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, he's finally compelling. Or yeah. I literally I was like, the only way this accent's gonna work is if I change the change words and I changed almost every line. Yeah. Yeah, Compared good, to yeah. the cardboard cutout that he was in Voyager, yeah. Basically, yeah, he, he had a pretty good gig there for those seven years. Um, anyway, um, that's all of our content. Check that out, guys. Um, Jeff, you got to sign off for all of us here at Little <laughs> Podcast. Thank you for joining us at Deep Space Nine at Nine. <laughs> oh, thank you.